This podcast series is not meant for retail investors, but instead is meant for financial advice and investment professionals. Please refer to IMAP's website, imap.asn.au, for more details. Welcome to this podcast in the IMAP Independent Thought Series. Today, we're going to be looking at investment in real estate and particularly looking at some defensive sectors within real estate and how they can provide some defensive income for clients. Joining me to talk about this today is Matthew Stratton. Matthew is the head of real estate with Real Asset Management. Welcome, Matt. Good morning, David. Great to be here. So, Matt, perhaps to start with, you can give us a bit of a background. I know you're focused on very specific areas within the real estate market. Do you want to just perhaps run us through the sectors you look at and then we'll talk a little bit more about why those sectors? Mm, uh, absolutely. David, here at RAM, we, we have two central focuses uh, in terms of real estate sectors that we, uh, that we invest and manage in. One is the healthcare sector. Uh, across Australia, and this is a whole variety of, uh, we cover a whole variety of uses there from private hospitals through to medical centres, daycare centres, uh, GP clinics, so on, and so on and so forth. Uh, in addition to a subsector of the retail asset class, which we call essential services retail, this is the type of retail locations that are central to, to our communities within Australia that are often in, comprise uh, your daily needs, shopping and services, obviously including supermarkets, as well as supporting healthcare and other localised offer. So would you describe those sectors as, I guess, less economically sensitive? Would that be a, a, a good description? They sound like yeah. fairly defensive areas. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, defensive and resilient. Defensive in the face of a sh- certainly shifting economic conditions, uh, not just top down and and what might be seen as the material issues with respect to interest rates and inflation, but also at a community or in a household level. These are locations that from in with respect to retail visitations are always going to be uh, in continuous need uh, because of the the requirements for our our households in terms of supermarket goods and, and daily needs and services. But importantly, with the ongoing and continuous requirements to, um, to ensure our personal health is maintained and, and being available to, to healthcare uses is, um, has been fundamental to our strategy and continues to shine through in an array of uh, particular economic scenarios. Uh, even through the pandemic, which, which really introduced a whole array of uh, disruptors across many re- uh, real estate asset classes, accepting both healthcare and those essential service goods and services that um, that continued to be required by by all of us on a day to day basis and and healthcare in terms of its resilience uh, not only did our our underlying tenants continue to perform quite strongly through the pandemic but what we've also seen is uh, effectively a a increase in demand coming out of the pandemic as a lot of uh, particular operations or any sort of requirements at a personal level healthcare wise were deferred and are now being are now being taken up so we're seeing a quite an increase in demand for space of our healthcare operators because of that yeah right right well I, I mean that makes sense you know obviously a lot of us weren't going into offices and department stores and the like were closed down for a while even but we still had to go to the supermarket and, and the pharmacy. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And, I mean, are they 
Does the healthcare and the the retail combined in in, in some of your properties? Yeah, that's a great question. It, more and more, uh, we're introducing, or, or at least going uh, going after to acquire uh, localized retail assets that do incorporate healthcare uh, healthcare facilities, like like what might be a local GP clinic or a day hospital. Also combined with allied healthcare, allied healthcare are uses that are you know peripheral to your traditional hospital providers, including physiotherapy, dental uh, dental services. Uh, and also include uh, the pharmacies uh, and all of these additional offers. Those uses, uh, we specifically focus when we incorporate new tenancies within our retail properties. And as we look to master plan and develop our retail properties, we're continuously looking to augment traditional retail with uh, healthcare and allied healthcare uses. Right, right. Uh, I guess, um, you know, I mean, the one thing that strikes me is with healthcare, obviously, ageing population is probably going to boost demand there. Is is that an area that is probably growing more than real estate generally, do you think? Or that yeah, it's, it's a great question. I mean, we, we've all, you know, you know as, a, as a student of real estate, um, we've all been sort of preparing for how the dynamics of our real estate sectors are going to change with an ageing population. But in addition to that, as a fundamental driver for the need for space in healthcare, combined with that, we also are seeing in uh, you know, all of our communities, all of us um, and our families having a greater life expectancy. Um, at the same time, we're through, through you know, and, and effectively cultivated by government policy, the need and then the desire to ensure that we're far healthier and in term and, and preventing any longer longer term illness is also at the forefront of our thinking, which introduces the need for a greater range of healthcare uses. Government spending towards the healthcare sector continues to be sustained. Uh, spending on all governments, as a, as a, as a just an intro, introductory fact, in, in 2019-20 was $143 billion, which is around 26% of government tax revenue and an increase uh, of around 24% from the prior year. So this, the continued wow. support from the government to nurture a healthy, uh, a healthy community is um, is a very strong feature of the um, of the industry. Uh, and there's uh, all of these features combined to su- continue to support the health of our our tenancies and our operators and our partners that that take up our real estate space. And that's uh, that, as I said, that continues to contribute to the defensive and resilient nature of the income in these real estate properties. Now, it's interesting, Matt, you, you mentioned there, you know, the government spending and support. I guess, you know, we're seeing at the moment with high inflation occurring that a lot of people are passing through 10 15% price increases for everything from you know, chocolate to breakfast cereal. Is the fact that the government is, is the main funder of a lot of these healthcare services a, a bit of a restriction there? And I would imagine the dentists, the physios, et cetera, probably don't have a lot of pricing power. Would that be a fair statement? I think the government's spending, that underlying support is going to ensure that the operators can remain defensive through what we anticipate to be a relatively short-term spike in inflation. Uh, I think it'll underpin the health of our operators such that they can endure uh, these spikes in prices if they can't immediately follow or flow through those additional costs. Yes. And the, the tenants, the, the sort of essential retail, as you called it, and, you know, the, the allied healthcare and so on, 
I'm guessing are, are perhaps smaller businesses compared to the you know the Coles and the Woolworths of the world. So, uh, how does that go in terms of sort of you know lease terms and the security of of the rent and things like that? Uh, yeah, naturally, uh, underpinning a local supermarket anchored or grocery or community based centre is going to be uh, you know further enhanced and sustained with a long-term lease with a supermarket like a Coles or a Woolworths or an Aldi. And that does allow us to introduce supporting uses like fruit fruit and vegetables, um, you know, even hair salons, uh, all of those daily, weekly visitation requirements that you um, that one would expect in a community centre. It, it's rare for us to have a retail holding that is not anchored by a supermarket. Okay. Um, if we were to contemplate a holding like that, it may represent a different proposition. It might be a neighbouring property to a what would be what we call a, a central community node, and, and all of us are familiar with this. It's not just an area where you can stop and visit Woolworths, but you have a whole array of local retail and service uses that are in, in your community, and these can be owned and operated by multiple landlords, but if they're if your holding is effectively or forms part of that that broader node, it continues to sustain the need for space in those particular properties, and you can you can achieve uh, quite quite significant rental uplifts over time because of that. Okay, okay. So when you're talking to advisors, clients uh, about the these funds. Do you think they normally would look at it as a sort of defensive rather than a growth asset? Is that a, a fair description? Yeah, I, I, that's a great question, David. I think so in, in one respect. Uh, I mean, you know, for example, these types of holdings across the A-REIT sector today are sort of either side of seven early 7% income yields projected on current on current pricing. What, However, most defensive uh, real estate landlords, and we certainly put, put ourselves in this particular bucket, are always looking at ways to add value to our existing portfolio. And this might be the expansion of a particular retail property. I mean, right now we're, we're in discussions with one of our private hospital providers where we have, we have three of the, their properties in the portfolio. And in the prior cycle, this, this hospital operator would have con- contemplated an expansion model, which might be the introduction of a brand new hospital within a trade area they were targeting. However, with with rising costs, uh, the rising cost of uh, of land that we've witnessed in this last cycle, there we're now heavily engaged to expand existing facilities. Now that additional development, that additional addition of value within the portfolio, provides what I, what I term uh, a level of uh, alpha. Uh, a level right. of additional value that we look to create year after year after year. So not only are you enjoying um, a secure, highly secure, defensive and resilient income yield, your manager is also working to introduce that additional uh, outperformance on an annual basis. Uh, and we're very active in that respect. Okay. I think the perhaps the other interesting area is valuations. I mean, Particularly with the with listed funds, uh, how often do you value the properties, and has that changed much in in the last couple of years, given all the the big economic and, and COVID impacts we've seen? Yeah, uh, absolutely, David. We value all of our assets at least annually, um, and and most of our peers are very very similar in that respect. We are starting to see 
cap rates, particularly, particularly in secondary locations and beyond the asset classes we we invest in, and I'll, and I'll elaborate on that a little. Uh, and that's this is what's symptomatic of a you know early lead into to the cycle to the real estate cycle. So, with interest rates rising and the expectations that um, some of our competing sectors like retail and some of our weaker office holdings that we've seen in the market are starting to move out a little bit in terms of pricing. Um, I'm I'm really interested to see how uh, how the appetite to invest and or acquire in our particular asset classes goes from this point. Some of our weaker properties, I wouldn't be surprised if we've seen cap rates move, say, 25 basis points, possibly 50 basis points. But all evidence we've seen in terms of transactional activity within the space continues to support cap rates for smaller community-based retail properties and, of course, healthcare. So I'm, I'm personally in an environment where we do... We are seeing, and I anticipate, a little more cap rate expansion. And this is this is um, a, a delight for me to say, but I would prefer to be in defensive asset classes like healthcare and lower order community based retail. So, do you think, Matt, that um, the changes we've we've seen in, or in your planning and so on? I guess do you think the changes we've seen through COVID are likely to be ongoing in terms of you know maybe people working from home more and. Mm. Certainly we've seen, you know, the, the coffee shops in the suburbs booming and the ones in the city quite empty, that, that type of thing. Yeah. Uh, there's no doubt, David, consumer patterns have changed. Uh, the, the, the day-to-day uh, activities certainly of, of our office workers across the country has changed. Has it changed permanently? I think you will see, you know, and you've, you corporations across the country have effectively recognised that there is going to be a work-from-home uh, a policy, I think, uh, at, at a variety of levels that's going to remain for the foreseeable future. Um, does that or will that affect the potential supply dynamics and capital return and capital market dynamics of the office sector? I think it has to. It has to um, roll through, but the market is quite efficient also. So any what might have been some mooted supply for some of our markets across the country will no doubt start to start to decline and and as that supply starts to reduce uh, over time, then the take-up of space commensurately improves, improves those dynamics. So I think the market will move a little bit more over time to, to reflect those changes in consumer patterns. But having an exposure beyond a, a pure urban or city-based real estate exposure and contemplating uh, regional uh, or even country exposures is certainly uh, an interesting topic to consider. Uh, mm-hmm. And so those those changing patterns really have benefited uh, more of our regional or non-urban locations across the country. Okay. I guess just changing tack a little bit, the, the other macro topic at the moment obviously is interest rates. And you know, we've seen quite a few RBA hikes already yeah. in the economists and the market yeah. particularly pricing in a few more just wondering what impact that has on on your business you know what sort of debt levels do you run on are the rising rates a, a bit of a headwind for the business yeah i think i'll talk about australia generally australian uh, our listed REIT sector for example is is quite conservative in the use of leverage um, i think if you were to take the average of all of our peers that are in the REIT sector where either side of say 30 percent leverage 
and there is quite an active uh, active approach to hedging, hedging those dip positions and ensuring that interest rate volatility is maintained within a certain band. Now, having said that, uh, the continued concern over what is going to be, a, you know, potential another one or two rate rises uh, at least has has been to a degree reflected in current pricing. Um, most of our peers and most of the sector, I think, are already sort of withstand have withstood the rate the rises and are incorporating future additional rises into the future. What I'm what I'm closely monitoring, and I'm sure we all are, is is just how how much of a cold Australia continues to catch from the US mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms yeah. of, um, in terms of uh, economic uncertainty led by rising inflation and whether or not interest rate rises are going to address that. I do feel just like we have witnessed in the prior two cycles here in Australia that that we are going to fare this uh, this cycle far more uh, far more healthily certainly than I think our US our US friends and to that end keeping an eye on where interest rates effectively are going to stabilize is a very important topic for us to monitor so keeping an eye on the interest rate curve keeping an eye on the 10-year bond yields and forward-looking curves for movements inwards is always going to be a very important one to to uh, to monitor and that would suggest to us when that occurs which which I, I believe is very close certainly between now and the end of the year we'll have visibility on that suggests that interest rates will stabilise within the near term, within the near 12 or 18 months. Right, right. I guess sort of, you know, going back, circling back to to part of our original conversation, you're not too concerned about the the impact in terms of retail spending and the sort of centres you're looking at. You you wouldn't wouldn't think that, uh, you know, high rates are going to stop people going to a, a supermarket or a a pharmacy so much as maybe not buying clothes and shoes. Yeah. I, look, I think I think the rising cost of inflation and the recalibration of, of uh, household expenditure it, it always affects retail. Naturally, it, it affects all of us across all uh, all the the operating fundamentals of all our uh, tenants and retailers. Um, the strength, the strength of supermarkets, for example, is they can pivot quite rapidly in terms of their internal offer. Uh, so they can they can shift what might be a, a greater focus on more expensive luxury items through to more daily so daily needs uh, budget items that responds to their local neighbourhood. Mm. Uh, with I've seen that for many many years. Uh, Woolworths and Coles are exceptional at being able to to do that and respond, as are all our, our grocery operators. Um, and if there is a period of time where where both unemployment and uh, and average wages don't catch up to that uh, increased inflation, I would I anticipate that period of time to be short lived as as rising labour uh, and income costs address the, the the rising cost of living. Okay. Perhaps one final thing, Matt was just curious. You know, if there's anything we we haven't really covered here that comes up when you're talking to potential investors or, or current investors and financial advisors? What sort of things are often at the front of their mind, maybe? Uh, you, you've had some great questions there, David. I think the, the point that I really emphasise with my team is to, to be con- continuously looking for ways to generate and add value. We talk about portfolios being core um, and real estate can easily fall in that bracket because it's such a strong and, and consistent yielding investment. Uh, 
but as a group, and and certainly as your as your listeners are looking to consider ex- exposures in in real estate, is to look for managers that are continuously looking at ways to increase value to your portfolio. This can be as simple as uh, being far more uh, aggressive, far more anticipatory in terms of um, uh, increasing rents with your tenants, or being active in terms of extending uh, extending lease terms potentially recalibrating rent review profiles from fixed to CPI or a hybrid through to adding value by extending existing properties or remixing existing assets, engaging closely with your operators, particularly in the healthcare sector who tend to view the world far differently than a traditional retail or office tenant. Yes. Building relationships with our operators is a very important part of our business understanding their wants and needs. Are they looking for expansion space? Are they looking to introduce a new facility uh, within a neighbouring trade area? Through to uh, more comprehensive value-add and redevelopment options, always looking either within the existing curtilage within our properties or uh, recognising deficiencies within a, you know, the supply of space either in health or retail within our trade areas and actively looking also to acquire assets that introduce supporting fundamentals to add value over time as well. You look for managers that aren't sitting on their hands. And, and I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm pleased to be, uh, you know, a, a manager in, in this country uh, where I, I see Australians generally to always be looking towards the horizon in terms of adding value. I think we are a very defensive and active market generally. That's great. All right. It's been a very good discussion on it. what's really quite interesting subsector i guess within the real estate market and certainly something that seems to have good defensive characteristics there so it just remains for me to thank matthew strutton from real asset management for taking part in our podcast today and also a reminder that imap has upcoming our independent thought conference in melbourne on tuesday the 18th of october this is an opportunity for you to see and and hear the portfolio managers and consultants who are involved day-to-day in running managed accounts. There's a lot more detail on our website and registrations are open now for that. 